Welcome to Overcoming Financial Stress with the Saver and the Spender. I'm your host and the spender, Michael Dickey. At Fiscal Fitness Phoenix, we are the worldwide leaders in reducing financial stress. And our mission is that everyone, from the person that is overwhelmed with their finances and in debt up to their eyeballs, to the person that makes good money, has amazing goals, and wants to achieve financial independence, finally to the person that feels a calling to help others by becoming a financial coach, learn how to take the stress out of money. Hey there, welcome to Overcoming Financial Stress with the Saver and the Spender. It's uh, Michael here, and with me today is my amazing, beautiful co-host slash wife slash business partner, Kelsa. Hello. Hey. So we haven't actually done an episode together like this in the same room in quite a long time. I know. We've been super busy, all for good reasons. I don't know. Have we even talked on the podcast at all about... uh, all the things that have happened for us in the last couple of no, months? No, we haven't. Should, we should tell yeah, everybody, go, I think. Yeah, yeah, we'll quickly get into it. Uh, yeah, I don't know if uh, we had shared that Michael and I, uh, of course, have our daughter Carmen, our biological daughter, and uh, but we had decided about 18 months ago to try and adopt um, through the foster care system, and uh, we did that. We went through all the requirements, and then we just sort of waited. We were on the adoption registry waiting to be chosen, And in October, we were chosen as parents for a little boy, and he's two years old. So we were blessed with a two-year-old. It happened really quickly. Do you want to share about how to go go along with our other (laughs) two-year-old? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. They. I mean, it was. It was. I got a call on my cell phone like at noon one day, and um, it was this guy and. I I don't ever get anybody significant calling my cell phone. It's always. (laughs) spam and salespeople, right? Yeah. So this guy starts talking and I was like halfway ready to press hang up because I thought it was one of, another one of the um, windshield repair calls that I get about five a day. And then he started saying something about, well, you have a bed for a child, right? We have a child that his rights are severed and they're looking for a placement for him. And I was like, wait, what? Hold up. What's going on? Like, <laughs> Is this real life? Is this, how is this really happening? <laughs> oh, God. And Kelsey was in the other room, and I went and said, like, hold on, let me get my wife. I'm going to put you on speakerphone because I want you to tell me what you said again because I, 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 you, that's something you don't process immediately. Like, hey, here, here's a kid for you. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like that. So then we listened, and yeah. they were like, it, within four hours of that phone call, he was in our house. Yeah, he had moved in. And... F- you know, we were expecting a call, but we were expecting a call. You, you always hear about how the process works, and it should be your specialist, the person who's assigned yeah. to you calling you. And there's a very lengthy process that happens. There's They'll pick, you know, let's say five families, and then the case manager interviews the five families, and they pick one of the five. So, I mean, that takes a while. That is not at all what happened in this case. Yeah, no, so we got a call from somebody we have no idea who he was and wasn't expecting it. And uh, hey, so you want a kid sort of conversation as if, hey, do you want me to pick you up a Starbucks on my way home yeah, kind of same conversation? Kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> and so that happened October 4th. So the last quarter of the year has been uh, beautiful and insane all at the same time. Yeah. And uh, we're feeling, I'm feeling much more settled. It feels very normal now, right? Yeah, I mean, oh, first, totally. It's to finally settled and uh, everybody's acclimated and it's like he's been our son for yeah. Since he was born. Yeah, so it's, it's, it feels very normal now. Yeah. But as for anybody who is a parent knows that the first uh, bit of transition was, uh, you know, you're just kind of in survival mode trying to figure things out. So, mm-hmm. uh, but Carmen's adjusted. We're all adjusted. We're all happy. We all got sick. 
in December yeah. too. Uh, like I think all of December. All of December, every single one of us. So uh, that kind of put us back. So I am super excited to be doing a podcast episode with my, uh, let's see, handsome and amazing sense of humor, husband, business partner. What else did you say? I was a wife. And I don't know. Co-host. Partner. Co-host. Yes, I just yeah. want to pay back the compliment there. Thanks. <laughs> you know, someday we'll have Jill on and we'll all do one together. But um, this this is going to be our New Year's res- resolution special. Mm. And okay. if it's uh, if you're li- it's what December no January what's today's date fourth January fourth January fourth. So um, for those of you that is close to January and your New Year's resolution was to do something with your finances, um, we're going to talk you through the process of where to start. Mm. Um, if it is not close to New Year's resolution time, say it's July, and maybe you're the person that maybe you're not ready for New Year's resolution, but you're sick of where you are with your financial position right now, how do you start to kind of make a make it go for the um, towards the positive, mm-hmm. right? Um, I also am going to take this. So I I'm obviously the spender of the saver and the spender and, ha- and always have been and always will be, but <laughs> I'm going to uh, I've learned a lot since we've been together for the past almost 20 years, I guess it's been now, but, um, you've been stuck with me for 20 years. Oh my gosh. Almost. Yeah. Can you believe that? Wow. You're such a strong human. I know. know. That's why I have this gray in my (laughs) temples and my beard that I didn't know I had until I grew it up. But, um, so I'm going to come from the perspective of, uh, my 2003 self, Mm. not my 2019 self. Okay. Um, and try to have some, uh, to, to be able to, you know, I know now what I didn't know then type of a thing, and that will help maybe direct the conversation. This is going to be a conversation. We don't have any notes. We don't have anything written down. So you are your 2003 self, and 2003, for you, you probably overdrafted your checking account a few times that year. Definitely. And I, yeah, no, for sure. No, that's exactly what happened. And that's kind of my, that's when I tell my story about when um, I knew finances was an issue for me was when I was in... Uh, I was in graduate school, which is about 2003, 2004. Mm. This is what it was. Uh, I don't know if it was the summer of 2003 or the summer of 2004. Um, but I was uh, in grad school as a graduate assistant working a women's soccer camp mm. for our, our women's soccer team. And uh, so we were staying at this uh, college up north in Michigan, northern Michigan College, where they had their like summer training camp for the soccer team. And I literally think I had overdrafted my checking account two or three times that week. And you, we, I'm Kelsey curious, did you care then? Like, was that a big deal to you? Or were you just kind of like, well, that kind of sucks. No, or that's exactly you, what it was. It was, it was super like, nonchalant yeah, about it. it was like, well, and, and in all honesty, my, my position was a little bit different is that I didn't have, take any student loans out. Yeah. Grad school was paid for me, but, and I had a stipend, but it was only $8,000 a year. That's yeah. like what I had to live on for a year. Also, my parents, you know, was you know, if, if you needed help, they if I needed help, they would help me out and pay for gas and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I was just like, with the mindset that this is what's going to happen. I'm going to figure it out at the right time. But had I not known you mm-hmm. and you hadn't been in my life, I don't think that I would have known what to do. So and what I, what happened? So did you call me? I don't remember this. Yeah, I'm sure we, your perspective on this is very different. Yeah, than mine. So you called me and yeah. did you just mention it? And I was like, wait, you what? Yeah, huh? pretty much is what I remember <laughs> happening. And then you're like, we have to get this figured out for you. And then oh, that every, was really nice of me. It was really nice of you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I mean, but so from that since then, it's been a process for both of us as. Uh, 
you know, spouses and partners mm-hmm. and business partners, but also I think from you on the coaching side and me kind of transitioning to this, this business that, mm-hmm. um, I've really learned a lot. And I think you've learned a lot in how to coach people from me being your, like you your were very my first client. First client. Yeah. Yes. I know. I think that that's probably very true. And I had, so let's see, 2003, 2004, I'd already been a financial advisor for a little while mm-hmm. and had been working as an apprentice for the financial advisor mm-hmm. first and all of that. So it had already been something that was in my wheelhouse. And I think I was stunned that that was like a regular, like occurrence, yeah. you know, like, Oh wait, what? Yeah. No. Yeah. We got to fix this. Like, you know, yeah, let's make this better sort of thing. Cause so, not only were you doing uh, investments and advising mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff, but you really liked the, the helping people with budgeting and that's kind of right. what turns you into financial coaching. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I I will say that, you know, a New Year's resolution, it, it's just a really popular time of year for people to reflect and feel inspired to be different and change. And But that feeling can happen any time in the year. Definitely. And I would say it does happen more frequently, you know, in the summer or in clutch moments, yeah. if you will, pivotal moments in someone's life where something happens and they decide that they want it to be different. It's not simply from December 31st to January 1st. It's right. a very popular time, but yeah. I think what we're going to talk about is uh, appropriate and accurate for anybody who's just sort of deciding like, I'm done overdrafting my checking account. Exactly. <laughs> well, I think there's probably two two reasons why people like make this decision to kind of go forward with what we're going to talk about today. And that's Mm -hmm. either that they have like this watershed moment where it's like the levy breaks and it's like, holy crap. Like my, my situation, like I overdrafted my checking account for the third time this week, something has to change. Right. Or they're like, it's probably been slowly creeping and it's, it's in the back of their minds for a long, long time and they're stressed, but it's maybe not enough to do something about it. But so then they, 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 they're like, you know what? I'm kind of over this Mm -hmm. and let's, I'm going to set a date. Yeah. And it's just, it's just a motivational thing. It's like why new year's resolutions happen is that it's a good starting point. It's fresh. Um, but new year's resolutions fail by February 80% of the time. So, you know, there's, there has to be something that is better than just a new year's resolution. Yeah, and I don't know the the statistics on this, but I would guess that setting an intention out there, setting a goal out there any time of year, whether it's a New Year's resolution or not, like if we don't do it properly, likely fails 80% of the time. Yeah. You know, especially when it comes to money because it is so difficult yeah. to change. There is a short-term solution oftentimes. But then the short-term solution is not also the same as the long-term solution. There's at some point where you've got to make a shift there, where Mm -hmm. whatever we're doing right away to get some initial momentum and get us out of if we're in a crisis mode or something is one step, one set of actions we're going to take. But then once we get through that, which is usually pretty quick, three to four Mm -hmm. weeks, let's say, that's not what's going to carry you through long-term. We have to make a second set of shifts. And I would guess that that's when failure happens because people can't maintain this level of sacrifice or this intense level for really, really long. So if that shift doesn't happen, the only alternative for them is that they abandon it. Mm -hmm. They just quit, you know? Definitely. Um, And that can happen any time of year. Yeah. You know? Totally. So say I'm, 
so I'm 2003. I just overdrafted my checking account and I, for the third time, but I don't know you. What, what, what would I do? Well, you find me. I find first. you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just but kidding. but what what do people typically do that maybe doesn't work? Okay. Oh, good question. Um, I think they either look for blog articles or they talk to somebody like a family member. And the reason that that doesn't always work, it's not necessarily bad, except that you are likely to hear some advice that may not apply to you, hmm. or you might read a strategy that is either cookie cutter or worked beautifully for that blog writer or worked beautifully for your aunt, Mary Jo, right? But doesn't, isn't appropriate for you for any number of reasons. And money is such a unique thing. Everyone's starting in a different place, has different experiences. They're, they grew up witnessing different things. Their goals are different. Their complication or simplicity of life is different. And all of those things are a factor. Mm-hmm. And it's really unlikely that those you match all of that with somebody else. And so the strategy can't match. And so the reason I say it's flawed is because we think, oh my God, yes, that's brilliant. It worked for you. It's going to work for me. And when it doesn't, the person says, I'm bad at this. Mm-hmm. Like I'm flawed. I did this wrong or I'm terrible at this. And it, it was probably just the wrong strategy. Right. You know? I think, you know, what I would probably do is I would just like right now, especially if it were 2019, because I don't think Google was that popular in 2003. But I don't remember. I don't remember. Is Yahoo, right? Oh, yeah. Or Ask Jeeves. Yeah. AOL. AOL. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Question for those of you that still have an AOL email address. <laughs> why? Cause there, why? Because there are a couple of you that are out there, but why I think AOL? Your mom has one. Does she No, listen? she doesn't. Not anymore? No. Okay. Uh-uh. Um, but, but why? How did, <laughs> can you still log in? <laughs> Um, uh, but so, but I would, I would right now, I would Google budget, like how to budget. Yeah. I would, okay. or I look on Pinterest for budget template or budget. And you would use the word budget. I think so. Yeah. I think that that's probably super common as people say how to budget or, and again, that's flawed because what they're going to find is this horrendous template that's out there that's been created that our world seems to has, have latched onto for some reason. Uh, it's this idea of a monthly budget. You put all your income at the top for the month and you put all of your expenses underneath that and you lay it all out and it's this very linear fashion. And so many people have tried that and then it really doesn't work because most of us don't live our life that way in this very pretty linear fashion. So we don't get all of our income on day one of the month and then we don't pay all of our expenses on day two. And you know, if we have on there $400 for groceries for the month, we don't go on one trip and spend exactly $400. There's this timing factor to real life. And especially if you get paid biweekly or every other Friday, you might get paid on the 7th and the 21st that month. And that form of budgeting doesn't work for real life, in my opinion. And life is much more complicated than that. And mm-hmm. so we have to, here we are trying to budget in a way that doesn't match real life and it sets people up for failure, I yeah. think. So likely a person would go to Google and or AOL and type <laughs> in how to budget and a spreadsheet would come up and they would fill it all. They'd say, okay, it's the beginning of the month. This is the month I'm going to do it. This is the month I'm going to budget. I'm going to control my spending. They maybe get everything on there and they think it looks really good, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, all right, I can do this. And then three to four weeks go by, it didn't shake out that way. And again, the first thought that comes to mind is, I'm bad at this. Mm-hmm. I can't budget. I'm, not go- I'm no good at this. And 
instead of realizing that it was the process that was flawed, it was that spreadsheet that's flawed. It just doesn't match real life at all. Yeah. So you don't want me to get to solutions yet, right? You want no, me to just not talk yet. About, okay, right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's okay. okay, okay. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, you know, look at the statistics and the st- statistics are all over the place, but it's pretty much something between, you know, t- 25 to 30% of Americans actually use a budget. But I would assume that 75 had tried at least 75%, mm. 85% of people have mm-hmm. tried to budget. Yeah, I would, I would easily say it's 80 to 90% only because we ask every single person, like, have you ever tried to budget before? And they all, most of them say yes. Once in a while, a person will say, no, I've never tried anything before. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, they've tried some budgeting, you know, worksheet. Yeah, formal budget worksheet. Mm-hmm. So I, if we were doing this correctly and I don't have you in front of me and, it's, and I'm looking for help, what are, what are the things that I should start to do first? Okay, so we Coming oh, from you. Okay. I would say the first thing for every person is to get right in their head. Like you got to gain some clarity around, uh, you know, draw a line in the sand, firm up your commitment. Like I'm going to do this. I'm going to give it six months before I quit. Mm-hmm. I'm, it's kind of like, you know, the getting a 5k scheduled, you know, mm-hmm. four months from now, like get a date on your calendar put some reminders on your calendar every week. I'm going to look at things, you know, we'll talk about exactly what you're going to do, like the how, but the first thing you have to do is you've got to firm up your commitment and sort of like give yourself a pep talk of like, this is going to get tough at some point. At some point I am going to think I'm failing at this. At some point I am going to think I'm terrible at this and that I have no business trying to do this and I'm going to keep going anyway. Mm -hmm. Right? Like you've got to get that firm in your brain and you know, a pep talk around like this isn't going to be easy, right? This is, but it's going to be worth it. Yeah. Really asking yourself like, why is it worth it? Really trying to gain some clarity and awareness around why this is so important to be doing at this point in your life. Mm-hmm. I would say the next thing you can do is look for support and it doesn't have to be a paid financial coach. That's not what I'm saying, but an accountability partner, a friend that will tell you like it is not the friend that tells you what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody that can really firm up the idea of you are dropping the ball on what you said you wanted to do, you know, that kind of like looking for support. I think that that's really important too. Great. Are there anything, uh, other ways to hold yourself accountable? Like I'm, I'm picturing like, cause you need that commitment, but somebody gets like six weeks (sighs) in and they start to lose that commitment. Can you, is there like things that you have clients do like maybe write, affirmational sticky notes or like, you know what I mean? I love the idea of putting reminders on your calendar. And like, even if it's a message to yourself or it doesn't have to be an appointment. I like the idea of a reminder as far as like every Friday I'm going to budget or every Friday Mm -hmm. I'm going to pull up my checking account. That is great too. But what I'm talking about is like 22 days from now, just pick a random date. That way you so you, so you sort of like forget it's there. It's mm-hmm. not like on a schedule. And go in there and put a reminder, a letter to yourself or a note to yourself. It doesn't have to be like a long five-page letter, but just a message to yourself of like, you might be thinking of quitting right now or you this might be getting hard right now. Remember your why. or And, you know, just talk to yourself and whatever yeah. you think you might need to hear right then and there. Right. You know? It's like that episode in Parks and Recreation where – Ron gets back with Tammy too. Uh, he records. He had <laughs> filmed the video. Yeah, from his past to yeah. now, he's like, "Well, if you're watching this, you've obviously gotten back with Tammy too again." <laughs> yeah, that's stop right. it. Yeah, but so it's kind of like um, 
the saying when you need to make change, like the first step is admitting you have a problem, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to really like say, you know what, this is, I have a problem. My finances are uh, finances are a problem right now. I need to take care of this, and then tell yourself to that you have to commit to that too. Yeah, I think it's good too to set some expectations for yourself, mm. and you know, I don't know what to call it, but sort of your worst case scenario and what would you do if that happened or what it's kind of like defining a stop loss, right? So like if it ever hits this point, this is when I know I really need to go seek some help or, you know, get a financial coach or something because not everybody needs to hire a personal trainer at the gym. Not everybody needs to hire a financial coach. And I know it's weird that I'm a financial coach and I'm saying that, but the idea is if you can do it yourself, then I am going to be your biggest cheerleader, but you have to know when to surrender and say like, I'm not doing it myself Mm. and I need some help. So try to define what that looks like. So if you use your credit card every day right now, and you're setting a goal that you're never going to use your credit card, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe if you use your credit card one time, that's not a stop loss. That's like, okay, that's a mistake. I need to get better, blah, blah, blah. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you've used your credit card three times in one week, is that officially like your, you know, ding, 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 like something's wrong and I need more help than what I'm doing for myself. Right. It's kind of like somebody who says, I'm going to go to the gym five times a week. Well, okay, maybe in a week you go four times and it's maybe not that big of a deal. But if you have a week where you go once, like it might be time to hire a personal trainer because you're nowhere near what you're setting for yourself. Like you're not following through. Don't beat yourself up over it. Don't make a big deal out of it. Just be honest with yourself and say like, hey, like I need help, Mm -hmm. right? Like I need help to actually achieve what I say I want to achieve. Yeah, I could see it as kind of the other way. Like somebody would say, I'm going to uh, update my budget five five days a week and one week they only do it twice mm-hmm. and they're like well I suck again yeah and they give up so exactly so if if your alternative is to give up and abandon the change entirely it's simply so much better to just go get help right yeah. so at what point do you say I'm at this point like I'm not I can't abandon it entirely so I need to figure out another strategy mm-hmm. yeah Definitely. so I have, uh, back to 2003 me, okay. I have, it's like, okay, I have a problem. I'm going to commit to this. I've set reminders and emailed myself and made a Tammy 2 video. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm committed. Yeah. What are the first, what's the first, like, action step that I need to do to start to clean up my finances? Yeah, so the first one was, like, clarity on your mindset, your emotion, like, your commitment, all of that. And I would say the second piece is clarity around the numbers and where they're currently going and gaining some awareness around them. Mm. So this is actually getting into, like, the logistics and the how and the process and the systems of managing your money better, okay? Yeah. So the first thing that I would recommend a person do is make a list of all of their bills, all of their fixed and recurring expense. Anything that happens every single month has a due date, usually around the same dollar amount. But the idea is make a list of everything that is recurring and get it organized in a list, typically by due date order is what I recommend. Mm -hmm. Um, That is exactly where I would start. Now, For some people, they think that this step seems overly simplified and they think, well, I just keep that in my head. I don't have that many bills. And skipping this step is sort of what like makes all the wheels fall off the bus later. So the idea is to do this even if it feels simple. Okay. Mm -hmm. So make a list, have it in due date order. 
the first thing that I want a client to do is to plan two weeks at a time. And I have zero statistics around this, except for my own experience of coaching, what, over a thousand people at this point now? Lots. I don't know how many. And I have seen over and over and over again, people very quickly and right away can plan two weeks out financially successfully really early, but they cannot do one month successfully. Oh, interesting. Right away, it's like, it doesn't feel like that big of a difference to us. I don't know why. But then all of a sudden, when it comes to planning it out financially, the question you want to ask yourself is, what is everything I need money for in the coming two weeks? And that's actually a hard question to answer because we don't think about money that way, right? Like, what do I need money for today? Mm-hmm. What did I spend on yesterday? Though That's our perspective typically around money. And we want to say, what is everything I need money for in the coming two weeks? And the first thing that we need is like the expenses to get paid for those two weeks. And if you've made your list in due date order, it's super easy. So it's like, whatever is today's date is, today's January 4th, what is everything I need? Between- today's payday today's payday, let's say, what is everything I need for the coming two weeks? So here's how much is in my account right now. Here's every bill that needs to clear. And then you sort of ask yourself, like, what else am I going to need? Well, I need food, right? And I need some gas in my car. And you start to think about it in that way. And if if a, if a person only did that for a little while, let's say you're committing, I'm going to do that for two months where I just plan two weeks out, mm. Every two weeks, put a reminder on your calendar, everything like that for two weeks at a time. It is amazing how easy that becomes and how successful you feel. You start to feel like I'm in control of this. I can do this. Mentally, there's this massive shift that happens of like, huh, I am aware of what I want to do. I'm deciding ahead of time what I want to do. I'm now intentional about it. You might do the exact same thing these coming two weeks that you would have done anyway without thinking about it. And yet the fact that you thought about it and you chose to do it completely transforms the way a person feels about their money. Hmm. So it's super important. It seems so simple. Yeah. I know it seems simple, but yet it is crucial. So you would you would just so you would say two weeks from today, mm-hmm. plan out, look at your recurring expenses, what do you need to pay the next two weeks, and then stop. You don't do two week increments at the start, right? You don't right, do, right, right. Exactly. You wouldn't do and then then the next two weeks. And it's so just imagine like one, if every week, week you're doing this. Yeah. Like let's say every Friday or every Thursday or I mean, because I do think you know, a, ch- a weekly check-in is super important. So if every week I'm committing to paying attention to my finances and every week I'm going to plan two weeks out, you're always kind of able to course correct a little bit when you first start because you've planned two weeks out. Well, maybe one week in, there's a couple of changes, mm-hmm. but you start to feel like you're ahead of everything. You're, you're now feeling more proactive, mm-hmm. more preventative. Like I'm seeing things ahead of time. Yeah. Imagine 2003, Michael, you had a lot, your hair was way more red then yeah. and you had glasses <laughs> Um, your freckles were, you had more freckles then too. I don't know. Where'd they all go? I don't know. It's a good question. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Probably with my, into my bald spot. <laughs> Maybe. Check. Um, your hair is a lot more gray now. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So, you know, imagine if 2003, you planned ahead two weeks out and said like, okay, I'm potentially, I only have 20 bucks left for gas in my car. Well, then you're not going to put 25 in. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's little stuff like that, that we are able to identify early on the, you're less likely to overdraft your account. You're less likely to make a decision that, you know, throws off everything else that you didn't realize at the time because you had the money in your account at the time and that sort of thing. So you find yourself very quickly putting out fewer fires. 
Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you are seeing those fires well in advance. You're, you know, the fire's not even there to begin with. And so it just, it makes it so now all of that chaos energy, that crisis energy that you're feeling of like not knowing where your money is going, all of that's gone if you can just plan a couple of weeks out at a time. And then you can say with all that freed up energy, like now what's next? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, now yeah. What, what can I do now to... Yeah do a little bit more. Yeah. That makes sense because I think what I would have done is first of all, not put my list of expenses in due date order. I would mm-hmm. probably put them, I don't know if I were to even make a list, mm-hmm. I probably would have gone from highest to lowest amount yeah, just because that standard, looks, yeah. I don't know. Or, or by... It's, it's significant. Like yeah. your biggest expense is more significant than a nine ninety nine Spotify recurring yeah. expense, right? So like it feels more significant to us. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, it's that $9.99 expense that like trips up the account, right? Like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to put gas in my car and then tomorrow a $9.99 yeah. subscription clears and I didn't leave enough in there. So mm-hmm. it's the little ones that trip us up. So, yeah. and it's the timing of it that trips yeah. us up. It's not the amount. Yeah. So. And that's what I was going to say is the second thing that I think that I would have just wait until a tear, tear to before the due date of a bill mm. to actually pay it mm. rather than payday, yeah. what's due in the next two weeks pay all those on payday, like you said. Yeah. I, so I'm glad that you're talking about this because if you think about what you just said is like you're you're putting yourself in crisis mode or mm-hmm. like last minute urgent quadrant, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you think about the, our energy and like you're literally an urgent status, like fin- what is it? The level five of like chaos every single time, yeah. right? Because yeah. you're just always responding mm-hmm. and you have to be on all the time. It's too too reactionary. Yeah, definitely. That's mm-hmm. stressful. So imagine removing that. Yeah. That, that there's fear, there's chaos, there's shame, there's uncertainty. Um, there's a level of like nervousness that's happening at that stage. And so we want to remove that first of all. So we remove that. And then we are now feeling more proactive where we've got this sense of like, all right, hey, like I'm on, it's like a quick win. I'm on to something here. I can mm-hmm. do this. And then we feel more in control of just our fixed expenses. And then we can start diving into the next step. And then the next step, um, in the first one, I would say another recommendation that we typically make really early is, so you have, here's how much is in my account and here's the expenses that need to clear for the next two weeks. So I'm going to get those paid. And then I'm going to take out some cash. You know, when I ask myself, what's everything I need money for in the next two weeks? Like maybe I need about $200 for everything else. Like I'm actually going to take that out in cash. And for two weeks, I'm just going to spend that $200. Hmm. You want that to clear your account, just like it's a bill clearing your account on just one amount, as opposed to like the swiping of the debit card, the ping, ping, ping uh, constantly. Cause you might have a goal of like, okay, I need, I think I need about $200 in the next couple of weeks. But if you are using your debit card, you're not really able to track it or pay super close attention if that's what you're spending. Mm -hmm. And when people say, well, I can keep it in my head. I think that's a a really unfortunate use of your mental energy, yeah. like keeping yeah. track of that. When I think about like, well, I might enjoy numbers and I might think that that's okay, but a lot of people don't. And I know you, like, could you imagine 2003 self? You're like, all right, I'm going to spend $200 the next two weeks. And then like keeping a mental tally of that, like no. that would have been horrific for oh, you. Yeah. I feel like, like you would have hated that. Yeah, definitely. You know, and you probably would have miscalculated yeah, at some point. Like, have, I mean, yeah. everybody would have, right. I yeah. mean, it's just a normal thing. I don't mm-hmm. say that to, I mean, I was kind of joking about it, but like it really is just a natural mathematical error we're going to make. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I just don't think it's a good use of our mental energy. So 
do you just take it out in cash and you spend that? Makes it nice and simple. You can see everything more clearly. Means that you're not having all of this stuff happening inside of your checking account all mm. the time that you're reacting to. It's just all there. Yeah. Um, you know, one day. Yeah. So. It, how would I determine like how much I really need for that? And, and like what yeah. what does that pay for? Like, I wish I wish that there was like some clear answer for this, it's a little bit of trial and error. And that's why I tell people like, you've got to tell yourself, I'm going to do this for six months. And when it doesn't work, I'm going to try something different. Mm. And this is one of those areas where we are likely going to try and guess a little bit. So, you know, about how much do I spend on food at the grocery store when I go? And we can kind of talk through it. You know, you ask yourself of, you know, well, I go a couple times a week and I usually spend about this much. And you just sort of ballpark it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then I need gas in my car. Um, I eat out with my buddies, you know, a couple times a week for the football game or whatever. You And you sort of think about like, what would I normally put on my debit card in a two week pay period? Right. Yeah. And the reason it's guesswork is because even if we were to go back over your checking account and look at, let's say the last three months, total it up, do an average, all of that, we could, there is like a mathematical way that we could do this. And it's still completely irrelevant Mm. because how you chose to spend money the last three months is not an indication of how you want to spend your money going forward. And when you have made the new commitment and you're saying, I'm going to do better with my money and I'm going to make different decisions and I'm going to be more conscious and I'm going to be intentional, it is likely you will naturally spend less in that moment. So, and over the course of the coming two weeks. So I would rather have us just take out some cash, see how we do, challenge ourselves to make it last till the next, you know, pay period or the next two weeks, let's say, and simply stay committed and flexible at the same time, which I find is one of the best things that as coaches we help clients do is like balance those two things. Like how do you stay committed and like really challenging yourself to try something new, but also flexible to the results as far as like, if it's not working, let's simply learn from it and tweak it and adjust and try something new and not beat ourselves up. Mm -hmm. And what I find that it comes down to is effort. Mm. Did you really try? Right. And if we really tried and it didn't work, let's tweak it. Let's adjust it. If you didn't really try, but you're saying it didn't work, I'm going to make you try it again, probably. Right. Yeah. And, but also like so many clients, I would say come in and they don't want to change it. They really gave a full effort. They were so committed and it didn't work and they're beating themselves up. And I'm like, no, we just need to tweak this, this, and this. See, let's try something different. Let's change the amount. Let's, you know, add this category to it or something like that. It's so normal that at first there is something we're not thinking about. Something yeah. you forgot that you spend money on that is a normal thing and you're just not thinking about it, you know, yeah. when you're first making a new commitment with money. And, you know, our job oftentimes is just to say like, okay, let's regroup, let's rebound, let's fi- figure out what went wrong with why the amount we chose. Let's change it and move on, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, so that's sort of what I would say is the first step when yeah. it comes to like the clarity around money. Second step, so you've done that for two months, let's say. We do it a lot faster, but when you're, so we're talking to 2003, Michael, you're Mm -hmm. on your own doing this. Mm -hmm. We're going to catch things and make changes and adjustments very quickly with clients because we've seen it all, Mm -hmm. okay? So we wouldn't, it wouldn't take us two months to do that, but I would say it's going to take two months for somebody doing it on their own to like really learn if it's working or not. Yeah. Okay, so that's. I feel like I would have that problem. Like the first two or four weeks that I was doing that. If I would, you know, it's Thursday, I don't get paid till the next Monday, we'll say, and I'm out of cash already. Like I would feel bad and I'd be like, oh crap. Well, I'm, 
I suck at money again. Yeah. And then I wouldn't, I yeah. mean, I wouldn't know how to rebound from that. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why you, you got to give yourself a couple of months, right? And when you're first starting, that's where it's like, I'm going to do this until this date and put that date on your calendar and just stay the course, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say you've done that. You've now become more proactive. You've got the bills feeling great. You've got your cash that's working. Now that amount is working. I always say too with the cash is like some pay periods should be a little tight and some you should have extra. That's how you know you have the right amount. Mm. Okay. It should not be that every single pay period is challenging when it comes to your cash. You're now... If you have got a ton of credit card debt and we are, you're in the mindset of like, I'm going to do everything I can to pay it off. Maybe that's what you're going to create is where you are like really pinching every penny. But for the majority of people, I find that if we have some flexibility, some wiggle room in the cash, they can actually focus so much more on other areas of their finances that are going to get them moving ahead just as fast. So they're either going to look at, you know, side hustles, or they're going to be, have the energy to like call vendors and negotiate the amount of their bills or, um, like our conversations will just be more positive because mm-hmm. they've got a bit more wiggle room. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So that's usually our take on that. Gotcha. I feel like this is the time in, uh, 2003 Michael's life where he would be like Googling, uh, a blog or financial expert or listening to, listening to Dave Ramsey or something. And this is when they would say you would have to cut everything. Yeah. You have to eliminate everything out of your budget except for the absolute uh, necessities. What do you think about that? Like, what would you tell me about that? It depends. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's where usually it's not sustainable, I find. Now, some clients, a, f- a very small percentage of them, sure, that's, that is what they do. And they do it for a while because they are so motivated for whatever goal they have. Maybe it's buying a house or taking a vacation or, you know, paying off debt. And that's really not much else is worth it to them except for Mm -hmm. that goal. And, but it has to be a choice, not, I don't like making an obligation. Like you are not going to make financial progress unless you do this. Mm, Right. That to me, if it's forced upon you, if it is your choice of like, I want to do it this way because nothing else is important to me except for that goal. So going to the movies, I don't care. I don't care if I go to the movies, I want, you know, to pay off my debt more Then I am going to support you and all of that. But if you, I will never place that obligation on a client. That's not, I, I, I don't want to live my life that way. I can't ever put that expectation on somebody to live that way. But when I w- when we were first talking about how maybe in the first month we again we're kind of guessing anyway on how much money we need and stuff like that people don't think about sometimes when they're thinking about like what how much cash do I need. But I will say maybe we do it for a month to get a bit of momentum, but it's usually a very short-term challenge. And, but it's not the strategy we use for the long-term strategy. It's not the sustainable, like now we're on this, like we want to find an amount that will really make it so that we live our life and we feel fulfilled and we feel content and it, it feels like a fun game we're playing. And sometimes it's a little challenging, but other times we feel like we're totally winning the game. Yeah. Right. Like that to me is what that has to be. Cause I don't want it to be. You know what it is? Otherwise, what happens is every meeting I have with a client, the conversation is around cash and whether mm. it's working and how hard it is and all of that. And if that's what's consuming all of our sessions and all of our thoughts and all of our effort around money, that is such a waste 
you know, where it's like, let's figure out the cash. There's always a little bit of challenge at first, but let's figure it out. Once we figure it out, that's easy. And that just is like on autopilot. Like clients just do it. They love it. We do it. You know that. Like we tried not doing it and you hated it. So Mm -hmm. um, like we do it. It's just not a normal. We just don't talk about it. Like it's easy, right? It becomes so easy that now all of our conversations and strategies and brainstorming and problem solving and how can we get ahead is about bigger stuff. It's about better stuff, you know? Yeah. And otherwise it's going to consume our meetings and I just don't like it. Right. So. Definitely. You know, we uh, have just been watching the um, the Marie Kondo show, Tidying Up. Is oh that what God, it is? Oh, my God, yes. It's cool. That's really good. She is like the cutest, most charming, most adorable human on the planet, yeah, I think. totally. She really is. You know, I read, and I thought this was perfect. Somebody said she is the calmest ball of energy that huh. you've ever ha- seen. And it's true. Yeah. Like, she's very calm and soothing about her. Like, yeah. she's got this very soothing nature, and yet she's a ball of energy, mm, right? At the same time, it's, wow. Isn't that a really so great observation? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I kind of strive to be a bit more like that. Yeah, me, me too. <laughs> but but it had me thinking about this, this concept of cash, and there's probably some hesitation with it, um, and... Uh, lack of buy-in and that kind of stuff. and that, But that related to the, the couple of, uh, I w- I'm going to stereotype and say the men in the episodes where they were like, well, I I don't really think I want to do this uh, Marie Kondo thing, but, you know, I'm going to just, uh, I'm going to give it a shot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, but after the end of the episode, they were like, this is the best thing that I've ever done because yeah. it, but they were so hesitant to start because it was either out of their comfort zone or um, they didn't think it was necessary or they had some, um, you know, some bravado that was, that was stopping them because mm-hmm. they were, they're men. I don't know. There was probably all three things, you know, more than that. But yeah. I think that the cash thing with men is, is different yeah. I, I'm i just going to call this out right now. Mm-hmm. So I coaches a lot say to us, like, well, oh, what do you do when clients refuse to use cash? And they all assume this is going to be a bigger challenge than it is. Like, we really don't have a problem with people wanting to try it. And here is, for the people who are listening to this that are thinking, I'm going to make a commitment, I'm going to make a change in my finances. One of the biggest commitments you have to make is a willingness to try something new and a willingness to experiment with your money and, you know, to put yourself out there and adopt that philosophy now and forever with your money, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. And if you are going into this as if like, I know what is going to work for me and what's not going to work for me, we're in trouble, Mm -hmm. right? And I think right away we you know, have conversations with our clients of like, Hey, we're going to try some things. And if it doesn't work, you just tell me like, I'm open to us trying new things, but like we are going to try things, you know? And even you and I both, like we try something because we want to see, is that another option for us? Is it an approach that will work? If it's not, we don't beat ourselves up over it. We tried it. We go back to what does work for us and that kind of thing. And there are times where we're like, Hey, that was really cool. That's working. Let's keep doing that. I think you have to adopt that sort of mindset around your money that this is not pass or fail. Yeah. This is not good or bad. This is not win or lose. This is not like I'm either 100% great at this and I'm all in and this is the only way of doing it or the alternative. Because I think if you do that, like you're going to find yourself in a rut that's not sustainable for long. Yeah. So you've got to be willing to try some new things and cash is just one of them. Try Mm -hmm. it, right? Like I said, just try it for a few months. And if you don't like it, hey, there's other alternatives out there. There's other strategies. But like you said, I would, most people, 
even if they're not resistant to it, they might be like, wait, you want me to do what? It is clunky. It's hard. It's clunky at first. It feels awkward, all of those things. But then after a couple of months, I mean, they love it. And they're like, this is really the simplest way. And it is. Yeah. Now I will say, I think our, our approach to cash is different in the sense that like, I don't think you should be using cash for like clothing or gifts or vacations or travel like yeah. we're not using it for all the stuff you buy online and that kind of thing and yeah. I, I there is that philosophy around cash where it's like everything is cash and i don't yeah. we that's not what we're talking about we're right. talking about the stuff you might put on your debit card during the normal course of a week to live right groceries eating out maybe going to the gas station and getting an energy drink or something like that. The the nickel and diming type expenses mm-hmm. is what we're talking about. Not the full, I mean, I w- at this point, uh, 2003, Michael would probably be using the cash envelope system, which is kind of what you're talking about, right? Yes, so. yes. So you would tr- you would have tried that? I, I, I'm sure it'd be one of the first things that would have come up on Google oh, that's for AOL. True. Yeah, that's true. So I probably would have tried it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that that's true. Yeah. And again, it might have worked successfully for a little while, but then I think what ends up happening is people borrow from one envelope and put it in another or, oh, I'll just use a little extra from over here. Well, then it's like, why bother doing it? Like, I mean, at some point, just take out cash and say it's for everything and I can manage that effectively within a pay period and Mm -hmm. not give it so much energy and thought. Yep. Yep. I agree. So what's, uh, what's the next thing that you would have me do? So you've gone a couple of months, you're feeling good, you've got some clarity, feeling like you've had some wins and some mm-hmm. su- successes and some control. So now hopefully you're feeling like I can do a little bit more. Like, okay, I've got the basics down, now what's next? The next thing that I would have somebody do is try and come up with a list and an amount for all of their non-recurring and random expenses. Mm. So things like a car repair or a home repair, gifts, clothing, travel, medical expenses, vet expenses, if you've got a pet, these are the types of expenses where there's no bill, there's no pretty due date, there's no fixed amount. These are the whammies. When they Mm. happen, they happen big. They usually catch us off guard. They are one of the things that if they happen in that first month or two, you will quickly feel as if the entire plan is derailed. Because Mm. when you're thinking about like, what do I need for the coming two weeks? These are the things that we're not always thinking about, right? Like we don't plan for the car to break down. You know, we don't want it to happen. Um, So, and in the first couple of months, like you've just have to like navigate around it if it happens, you know, think about the idea that like a month before starting this commitment, you didn't have a plan for those anyway. So in the first month or two, we may not have a plan for those. Um, Again, we usually get a plan going really, really quickly for those because we can move forward in this process a lot faster. But you know, when you're for, when you're on your own and you're doing this, give yourself a couple of months to get the recurring, normal day to day stuff fixed and figured out. Then we can dive into this. So come up with a list of what all of these expenses are for you. You um, try to come up with a monthly average for each one. And for some of these, that's pretty easy. So if you think about like my Amazon Prime annual bill. You know, mm-hmm. it's $119 now divided by 12. You have a pretty formula there. You can come up with a monthly now amount super easy. Yeah. Um, some of $60 them- $60 a month. This is why you should not be doing oh, stuff yeah. in your head. <laughs> That's 2003 me. <laughs> oh my God, you're so funny. Okay. Um, you're such a dad. Okay. So <laughs> another dad joke. Okay. Um, 
so you, uh, some of them are a lot harder. So clothing, you know, a lot of people, I would say every single client cannot tell me if I say how much you spend a month on clothing or, you know, on average for the year and it, no idea. Yeah. And we simply have to ask ourselves some questions, break it down, use some critical thinking Talk to come up yeah. with a reasonable number. Okay. And again, it's not right versus wrong. We probably are wrong on a couple of these, but we're getting a ballpark. That's all we're doing. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, so the idea is like, well, how often do I go shopping? Am I the type of person that buys a couple things every month or do I go one time a year and update my entire wardrobe? Do I need dressy work clothes and also going out with my friends on the weekend clothes and workout clothes, right? Yeah. Like, and some people don't have all those things. Some people can wear the same thing to work that they wear on the weekend and it's different. So mm-hmm. you can kind of work through that. The other thing you can do is you can just ask yourself the question of, okay, if I said $100 a month, that's $1,200 for the year. Does that sound right? Like, does that sound too low? Does it sound too high? And again, we're just going for a ballpark figure here. And then you go to like a Capital One 360 or Ally Bank, any number of things out there that allow you to open as many savings accounts as you want. Um, I like those banks because they're free. You can open as many accounts as you want. They don't have a minimum balance requirement. So you don't even need to leave a dollar in the account and they don't care where, and the idea is every month you just put that amount of money you determine into the proper bucket. So you have a clothing fund and a gift fund and a car fund and a home fund Mm -hmm. or, you know, tuition or any number of things. And every month you put that amount aside. And then when it comes time to go shopping again, This is where we slowly start to transition to preparing for expenses before they happen. And the peace of mind that comes from knowing that you were ready for something and that you got yourself ready. Like the idea is like, okay, I need clothes. And look, I have $300 in my clothing fund and I just need a pair of running shoes that are 90 bucks. Awesome. Like I was already ready for that. I don't have to figure out like, how am I going to pay for it? I already have it there. Right. You know, your car breaks down in the middle of a pay period and you weren't expecting it. And it's like, Hey, I've got money in my car repair fund to pay for this. It completely transforms the way a person feels about their money. Mm -hmm. And I would say that is usually a good place to get people to when they're first trying to just gain control is like all of those steps we just talked about. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I feel like this is where if it was like uh, my car broke down or something happened and, or I needed a new wardrobe or I needed a new suit or something like this is, I put on a credit card Mm, and then start to have to deal with that. Yeah, and I'm in this mindset of like your college, Michael, right? So like, or you'd call your parents, yeah, you know? Right. And some people like, let's say they might be like, well, I have to call my spouse and ask him if if we have the money someplace, right? Like mm-hmm. these are the types of expenses that come up where we don't feel prepared for them. And so we are relying on someone else or something else. We're relying on a credit card. We're relying on somebody else's help, whether it's a parent or a spouse or something to like, help us figure out how we're going to pay for it. It is very much this feeling of like, I, I am not responsible for this result of paying for it or finding yeah. a way to solve this problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you have and, the same and that, that, that the interest rate for a credit card is a better option than actually trying to figure out a way to deal with it. The, the right the, way. Yes, exactly. So, you know, having the money set aside is not just a financial benefit. Of course, there's a financial benefit there. Yeah. But the idea is like, I was ready for this. I was prepared for this. I set the money aside for it. I don't need anyone else. I don't need anything else like a credit card. Like I was prepared for this. Mm-hmm. So 
that those wins start to make it so that now we are so in control. We feel prepared. We feel proactive. We've got these wins. We're feeling really good. And that's when we can really start diving in so much deeper and talking about bigger pictures type of stuff, like a person's financial principles and Mm. goals they have for their life. And it's so normal that a person, their first commitment is usually around like, I just want to figure out where my money's going, or I want to figure out how to control my spending, or I want to get out of debt and I want to stop using my credit card. It is just these really just simple and like, not easy in the sense, but like, they can't even see bigger than that yet. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like they just want something so honest and simple for their life around their money. And once we get them to do that, and now that part feels easy, now that's when we, the fun begins, if you ask me. And then yeah. it's like, oh, well, now what? Now they start to be like, okay, and I want more now. Yeah. Right? And it's yeah. such a cool thing to watch. Yeah. I, there's there's one more thing I want to talk about before we sign off here, and that's something that 2003 Michael is surprised that we haven't talked about yet, and that is getting out of debt. Because you would think, I mean, uh, debt would be, getting out of debt is a big priority for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it's like such a big priority that it's probably the first thing that they really want to focus on rather than the three or four steps you've already, you know, tips you've already talked about. So what's... Let's talk about getting okay. out of debt for a little bit and why, I, why we didn't. Why we haven't talked about it yet. Yeah. So that's such a good observation. So I really believe like I want a person out of debt just as much as anybody else. Like I, I will match their level of desire to get out of debt, right? So I won't want it more than you, but I will match your level of desire. And so I want a person out of debt. And yet... I know when we talked early on about how we can very quickly like take a step back and then just abandon the process or the commitment because we feel like we failed at something. Trying to get out of debt too fast, too quick, without the proper steps is one of the quickest and surefire ways to essentially like set yourself up for failure, if mm-hmm. you ask me. The commitment needs to be on solving the process of managing your money and your spending and gaining clarity around it, which then will get you out of debt. If you simply want to get out of debt and you start throwing all of your extra money towards debt and you haven't figured out how to manage your spending using cash or preparing for a car repair or a future whammy, then you take everything out of your credit card and you throw it to debt. Sure, that's going to be really like this quick win. You're going to feel really proud of yourself. And then tomorrow your car will break down. Mm. You won't have the money for it. It's going to go back on a credit card. You are going to find yourself in a vicious cycle and a very emotional vicious cycle of, I made progress. I'm doing this. I'm getting ahead. And now I'm using my credit card. What is wrong with me? Why can't I do this? Right here? I am back on my credit card. I'm so bad at this. And all those mental benefits we talked about, all the perspective, how your whole perspective shifts, it's because of the intentionality behind managing your money. And the end result is that you now can get out of debt faster, right? And yeah. truly get out of debt, really and truly get out of debt. Like if that's your goal, like everything we just talked about is in service of that goal, I promise. Yeah. But if getting out of debt is the first step you take, you will find yourself back in debt. Yeah. You know, like it will end up getting back there somehow, either because we overspent or we didn't have the clarity of every two weeks and, you know, ended up all of a sudden we know a bill's due and we're like, crap. So it goes on a credit card. You know, it is a vicious cycle 
that we have to stop really early on. Yeah. And I think that I would have been like, okay, I need to, I'm going to use this budget, Mm -hmm. which is the wrong budget template, the one that everybody finds. How many, there's 20 some million, 21 million or something. So no, 20 million, 400,000, I think is the answer. And there's probably more right now, but if you, so right now, take a break, hit pause and go Google personal budget template and see how many results come up. And that's how many, that's how prevalent this budgeting method is that actually doesn't really work for most people. Um, so I would have used something like that and then I would have just said, okay, I'm going to, I'm on this budget. I at least mm-hmm. see kind of what I'm spending and then I'm going to have some money left over. I'm going to throw extra, a little bit of extra at, at all three of my credit cards mm. to try to pay off that debt. Do you remember how many credit cards you had then? Not many. Mm. I have one or Couple I, maybe, I, maybe yeah. one or two that were mine. Yeah. May, not, not more than two. Yeah. And then a couple that were my parents that they like a shell card in case I didn't have money for gas. Like they would yeah. pay for my gas and that kind of stuff. Got it. Yeah. I do remember that. Okay. I was but curious. other than, yeah, I don't, I wasn't like. Yeah. You weren't, I mean, thankfully you weren't, it wasn't bad, but yeah. that's because you were just overdraft. You were going yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I paid $25 extra. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, I can't um, even think, I'm trying to think of what, I mean, living on $8,000 and then a little bit of help for my parents every once in a while. Yeah. Rent. I shared an apartment with. Two, guys. two other guys, and yeah. I, what did I even eat? Like I, I'm sure I never went out to eat. We liked. I remember it's like the box um, angel hair pasta. Oh yeah, yeah. we that loved was like that. Seventy nine cents a box. Yeah. yeah, we loved that stuff when we were in college. Yep, it was just like it was crap. But the stuff that you could eat because yeah, you're yeah, a yeah. poor college kid, right. like this and that ramen was our version and of rice ramen. and yeah, yeah exactly. and rice and. I think I made a lot of stir fry, but we it's... were super fancy. We did angel hair pasta instead yeah, of ramen. Right. We were super that's fancy. Right. <laughs> Not regular spaghetti, angel hair. Yeah, that's exactly. fancy stuff. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And so... then, so then, and then I would start to, so I would budget the wrong way. Probably get frustrated after a couple months, anyways. Yeah. And then I would have started to pay extra, mm-hmm. a little extra to every single credit card. Because that that's, I mean, I remember hearing that. I don't know who I heard it from. Always from. pay a little extra on yeah. every card. Yes. Yeah. That's literally the advice that's out there. I, yeah. yeah. So I would say, um, you know, when you're first starting out, you, you want to get, keep the credit cards paid, of course. So like minimum payments. Um, if you have, like, if you've got serious positive cash flow, even when you're first starting out, it is okay to pick one card and say, I'm going to throw an extra hundred dollars a month on this card. I, I mm. that's, there's nothing wrong with that, but it, I don't recommend even if you just waited one month to do that though, right? Like one month, pay the minimums on everything for one month and get some extra in savings so that you can get ahead of some of those whammies. It'll prevent those expenses from going on a credit card, right? When they right. happen. So I would even recommend that, but I know that that's really hard for people to do. They're like, wait, you want me to do what? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I always say, you know, slow progress, but this is true progress, right? Like your way, it might seem like you're making much faster progress, but like you're a year from now, you're going to be right where you still are. Yeah. My way, like we're going to make a little slow progress in the first month, maybe six weeks. But then after that, like it's, we're going to be sprinting. Like you're going to be amazed at how quickly it all starts to happen. Yeah. So the idea with the debt is like to pay the minimums because we obviously want to keep them paid. We don't want to just not pay them. So I have like five credit cards. We'll Let's say. say you have five credit cards or five debts. Yeah. You uh, just keep the minimums paid for the first month or two until you're, again, if you're doing this on your own, this is going to take a good two to four months, I would say, to like gain awareness of some of your expenses. So keep everything paid, start getting money in savings, and then 
pick one debt. So you're at a point where you're like, all right, I feel really good. I'm in control of all of my spending and upcoming expenses. I am going to now start setting goals. Okay, now I've got a really good handle on the foundational part of my money. Now I can take it up a notch and the next notch is goal setting. Mm. And in this example, this person's goal is getting out of debt. Yeah. Okay. It can be any number of things at that point. It could be buying a house, taking a family vacation, um, you know, paying off a student loan, any number of things. That's when you keep all of the other systems in place. We don't ever turn those off. Those stay. And then as we have extra money, that extra money goes towards the goal. And when a goal is to get out of debt, we're going to pick one debt and throw all extra to one debt. So we're never going to like, let's say we have an extra $500 in a month and we have five credit cards. We're not going to throw $100 extra to all five right? Like we're going to take all 500 and we're going to pick one and we're going to say, that's our target. And we're throwing all extra to that until it's gone. And then once it's gone, we'll pick the next one, you know? And usually we will know the entire pecking order. So it's not like we wait until one debt is paid off to know the second one. Usually we know here's the order that we're going to be paying these off in. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. How, so I pick one. Yes. Like how would I know which one to pick? Does it matter which card or whatever? <laughs> well, if you're getting out of debt and you're picking one debt, you're doing it right. So that's okay. what I will say. So if you're getting out of debt, just stay the course. There's, you know, we always say that there's four different methodologies that you could use or that exist. Um, the first one is the snowball approach. I would say that that's probably the most popular. And the idea with that one is you put your debts in order by balance amount and the one with the lowest balance gets is the one that gets paid off first. And then the second lowest balance, the second and so forth. Um, you know, definitely Dave Ramsey favors this one. So I feel like he's made it really popular. The idea here is that you pay off the smallest balance. You can probably do that pretty quickly. So you experience a quick win, you feel motivated, it reinforces that you're doing things right. And then you can move on to the next one. And it really helps it literally like, is like you're building a snowball going down a hill. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Makes total sense for a lot of people. Definitely. The second approach is the avalanche approach. The idea there is you put all of your debts in order of interest rate. The one with the highest interest rate is the one you pay off first. The one with the second highest interest rate, you pay off second and so forth. Um, Susie Orman favors this one. The idea with this one is that the highest interest rate debt is the one that's costing you the most money. So of every dollar that's on it, mm-hmm. that interest rate is you know charging you a higher amount. So yeah. the idea is that it's costing you the most money. You want that one out of your life the quickest, even if it's the biggest balance, it doesn't matter. It's really only looking at interest rate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that one is good for somebody who is super mo- motivated to get out of debt no matter what they're getting out of debt. And so focusing on this one will likely be the one that helps them to do it the cheapest, right? Like it's going to be the most cost effective over the time. The first one, Snowball is really good for somebody who like is motivated and is committed, but it's like, ooh, shiny item syndrome, right? Where it's like, yes, I'm motivated, but ooh, look at that thing over there, right? Like they need a quick win. They need the um, momentum in their favor. It it really highlights the like the psychological and emotional part of yes money and paying off debt. Yes. Exactly. So um the third one was is made fa- famous I would say by Robert Kiyosaki, author of Rich Dad Poor Dad. Um he 
He likes the idea of ranking them by order of payment amount. The idea is that this one's costing you the most cash flow every month. So it's got the biggest hit to your cash flow. So by paying it off, sometimes this is like a car payment is sometimes the biggest. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it is a larger amount compared to, let's say, a $55 a month credit card payment. Right. So you would focus on that one first, second, third, fourth. Uh, we always add a fourth one, which is... Uh, the emotional baggage approach. So the idea is that you look at your debts and you, if if you have a debt that really weighs on you heavily, like you look at it and every time you look at it, you say, I that was such a bad choice in my life or that was a pivotal moment and I failed miserably and now I have this debt to show for it. Or it's just a time in your life where you really re- have some regret or a lot of negative energy we likely want that reminder out of your life. <laughs> you know, like it's not doing much for your new energy and approach and perspective mentally around money. So yeah. um, this is really good for somebody who does have that kind of debt. Not everybody does. Some people look at their debts and they're like, yeah, I hate them all equally, mm-hmm. right? So it's not that big of a deal. But um, if you have a debt and really every time you look at it, it just kind of like makes your stomach turn a little bit. We probably want to focus on that one because every month when you make the payment, you are reliving those emotions and we've got to get that out of your life. So, um, I always give the example. I had a a woman who had three credit cards, each with about $5,000 on them. So we're about the same balance for each one. But one of them was the $5,000 that she paid her attorney for her divorce. And I mean, you could just see her physical, you know, nature changed when she talked about that debt. I mean, it was a really big deal for her. Mm-hmm. So we targeted that one first. I didn't care what the interest rate was or the balances on anything. It was just like, let's get that out of your life. I mean, every time she paid it, she just sort of would get bitter and jaded and sad all over again. And sure. so we we really just wanted that constant reminder out of her life. So yeah. the thing with these approaches is they all say pick one debt and throw everything at one debt. Yeah. They simply disagree on what that one debt should be. What they all have in common is that they don't believe in divide and conquer, which mm. is like $100 extra to the five Paying credit cards. A little bit extra, yeah. You know? Yeah. The goal is to pick one of your debts. Pick one of these philosophies, pick one of these methods, subscribe to it. Know that it's probably right for you. And even if you're Aunt Mary Jo, I don't, we don't have an Aunt Mary Jo. I don't know why I, I keep saying why. that. That's all right. Um, your Aunt Mary Jo tells you that her way was better or that a different way worked for her. Congratulate her and stick to your guns of doing it your way. Yeah. The idea is to pick one debt and throw everything extra to it until it's gone. And then you pick the next debt. Mm-hmm. Okay. Paying the minimums and everything in the meantime. Right. So, you know what I like about what, You've been saying this for a long time, but really, really makes sense to me. And and this is a big uh, point of contention within the financial coaching community Ooh. is people fighting over debt payoff strategies. Yes, that's true. You know, there's the Dave Ramsey folks, and they are 100% snowball method, and nothing else works. And they pull out this research that backs up that this works. And then there's there's the Susie Orman people, or the people that are like, you know, it's only about the numbers. It's only about that interest rate and um, we like to say the right one for you is the one that excites you the most. Yes. I think that is so, I have never seen a client achieve anything that they weren't excited about, right? Mm-hmm. Like nothing, there is no numbers in a spreadsheet, no calculation that gives you the factor for excitement. Yeah. And 
as soon as a client believes in something, believes it's the right choice for them, can see it so clearly that they're fired up about it, yeah. it's like, watch out, yeah. you know? And I don't need statistics or studies to, sh- to like demonstrate that, you know, like I've seen it time and time again. If I say, you know, I think this is the way I would do it just literally in the last week we did, it took about two hours, a very, a client I've had for, I would say seven or eight years. Okay. So we're doing some pretty elaborate type analysis at this point. I mean, they've been budgeting, they're stellar with their money, all of that. So like what we are doing is like pretty advanced stuff, fun, super fun stuff. Right. So and uh, we, it took us about two hours to do this analysis for going into 2019 on the right strategy for them. Is it going to be maxing out 401k and paying less to their mortgage? Is it going to be maxing out their mortgage? I mean, we had to look at tax rates and mm. all of that kind of stuff wow. to determine if maxing out their 401k, what, would that change their tax bracket? You know, all this yeah. kind of stuff. And what kind of progress would that make? They they want to retire in 10 years. So, I mean, we're looking at the mortgage being paid off by that time. I mean, it was a lot of different scenarios we're playing and a lot of different projections and all of that. And the numbers totally pointed in one direction, completely. And we just kept talking through it. And I kept saying there were, their whole demeanor was changing though when we talked about this one strategy. Yeah. And and I don't want to say which one it is because my fear is that someone listening to this will think that whatever strategy these clients chose is what they have right to choose. Them. And that yeah. is not that's if anything, that goes against everything we've just been saying. So right. um and I said, let's imagine, we took some time in between the appointments, okay? And I said, let's imagine for the next week that you're committing to option A. And I want you to pretend like right now you told me option A is the answer and we're just going to leave here. I'll see you guys in a week and I want you to live your life for the next week as if that's the choice you made, okay? Mm. Come back in. We talked about it. Like, how did you feel? What did you think of that? Freaked them out completely. Like, they were like frozen. Really? Yes. And... I said, okay, we did the other session. We talked about the, you know, now leave here. Pretend as if you had committed to option B, okay? Pretend as if that's what we did. We're going to change it. I mean, we literally changed. They have their entire budget done for 2019. So we made the change on their budget as if they had committed to it, right? Mm -hmm. Now literally leave here and pretend as if you're living your life that way. Came back a week later and they were like excited, gung-ho. They felt fired up. And I was like, that's the right answer. Wow, interesting. You know, and my thing, as long as you're aware of what it means, right? Mm-hmm. Here's the pros and cons of every totally. choice. Not every choice has all the pros and the other one has all the cons. Like that's not how it works. Totally. So it's like, as long as you're aware of it and they were fully aware and capable to make that choice because we looked at all the factors and then it came down to like this one you're fired up by, which means even though the numbers maybe don't shake out, the the idea is that because you're excited, you're probably going to achieve this strategy a lot faster, which means the numbers at the end of the day, might end up being better on this one. Like, only time will tell sort of thing. But at the end of the day, like, you feel like this is the right one, and that's really what matters. matters, right? I could totally see the same thing happening if somebody goes to goes to another coach or or reads a book or reads a blog or talks to a friend, and they say, you know what, you should be using this uh, debt payoff strategy Mm -hmm. because this is what the statistics say, or this is what this person says, or this is what this book says. But at the same time, the, the debt that they're paying off would be paying off last using that scenario is the one that gives them the most 
emotional, emotional baggage. Yeah, yeah. Or or they're like sadness. Sadness, I mean, yeah. Really, yeah. Or or the other way is like that the interest rate is so high on that one that, that like that interest rate really bothers me. But I have to follow this advice because this is what this person is saying. This is the only way to really do it because XYZ. Yeah. And they're gonna hate that process. Yeah. They're they're going to not enjoy it. It's not going to be they're probably going to yeah. Not finish, right? Or switch anyways, or something. Yeah, like, and it's not going to be good. Another example of when this comes into play a lot is with family loans. So if you mm. owe a family member money, there are some clients where it's like, yeah, and it's no big deal, and my dad's cool with it, and really, it's I don't ever have to pay him back if he doesn't want to. I just want to at some point, right? Like, it's not a big deal. They never really think about it. And other times, the person's like. I, it makes me sick to my stomach. And every time we go over there, I think about it. And mm-hmm. he, the person makes comments about yeah. it. And like, it's a really big deal. Like why, you know, why wouldn't we make that a priority so that we can make that big part of your life, your family, yeah. that big part of your life better, yeah. you know? And this is where I'm going to do a podcast. It's a whole separate episode on this, by the way. Nice. Um, the idea of, pleasure from our money versus fulfillment from our money. Oh, interesting. And we might get pleasure out of like paying off a debt quickly because someone told me to, yeah. right? But do we have true ownership and pride and excitement around it and seeing that like this is why this is so good for me and what this what impact this will have with the next step of my journey around finances. Because getting out of debt is just one step in the journey, right? Like it's not the end all be all. It is one step. And so you want to be able to carry that emotion and that sense of fulfillment and pride into the next step. Mm -hmm. Not just like I did it the way I was told I had to. Yeah. You know, like that is a big, big difference. Yeah. I could see, you know, if somebody says, you know what, I'm going to lose some weight. Mm -hmm. And somebody says, well, the best way to burn calories is just to go run. (laughs) You know what I mean? I would kill and, that person. Right? But and if somebody hates running, yeah. But their personal trainer or their blog post that they read says that running burns the most calories, so the only real way mm. to That's a really good analogy. to lose weight and exercise at the same time is to run and just run and burn off calories, but you hate running, you're not going right. to do it at all. Right. Right. Or you might do it for a little while, yeah. but you'll be miserable. And yeah. it or doesn't you, yeah. really add to your life, yeah. right? Like it's not an additional yeah. benefit that really fuels the rest of your life, which we can make this be a beautiful addition. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool. Good. Well, I think that's a good stopping point for today. I think we got uh, 2003 Michael on a good path. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what we did is we had him marry me. That's see. That's that all that been, it took. You know, that's all. That's the Step that's the solution. Two. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> no, thank you for being such a good student all, all oh, these good. years. Thanks. Wow, I kind of forgot all about that. Right. Yeah. That was a long time ago in a different uh, different couple of people. No kidding. Oh my god, it seems like a lifetime ago, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. So if somebody, um, you know, so. Try these steps, mm-hmm. listeners, and, For sure. and see what happens. Try to stay it in order. Listen over and over again to try to get get it right. Um, and you know what would make me, and I, I truly mean this, like so happy, is someone tr- listens to this, tries it, does it, and messages us and said they killed it. Like mm-hmm. oh, it totally. would make me so happy and so proud. Like we will be your biggest cheerleader for yeah. sure. And and. If you try it and you falter or you're not making the progress you want. That is what we do. Like, mm-hmm. and we're happy to do that. And we're excited and we love what we do. And 
you know, being able to take people through that journey, I, we find it so much fun. Right. Yeah. And, you know, to tune our own horn, like we're really good at it. You know, we're really good at moving people through those steps quickly and allowing them to have fun with it and challenge themselves and grow through the process and all of that. And they don't need to settle for abandoning this commitment that they're making around their money. Mm-hmm. That do not settle for that. Right. Totally. We're here to help you. If you do want it and need it, we'd be happy to. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Great. Well, that's it for the episode today. You guys have a great, uh, happy new year. And if it's July, happy July. <laughs> <laughs> if it's September, yeah. it's happy 2019. We yeah. hope you are moving forward with your goals. Yeah. Happy wherever you are right now. <laughs> uh, and we hope to see you on the other side of your personal financial journey. Talk to you later. If you would like more information about our financial coaching programs or how we can help you take the stress out of money, please check out our website at www.fiscalfitnessphx.com. Join our private Facebook group by searching Facebook for Overcoming Financial Stress with Fiscal Fitness. And if you have a passion for personal finance and are interested in helping others take the stress out of money by becoming a financial coach, check out our financial coach training program at www.financialcoachacademy.com and join our free Facebook group by searching Facebook for Financial Coaches Unite. And we'll see you on the next episode of Overcoming Financial Stress with the Saver and the Spender, where we'll help the world take the stress out of money.